Okay, not how I was going to start, but I, I will be so distracted by this question, I, I just have to have it resolved. Is that prayer, is it God is good, God is great, or is it God is great, God is good? God is good, God is great. And it rhymes with food, good and food. I, thank you. Um, I was like, I've known that all my life, and now I'm confused, which is it? Um, that is, a, that is a perfect lead-in to our topic today, which is the goodness of God. Um, we have, in fact, as Christy mentioned, talked about God's greatness. Uh, we've talked about God's holiness and God's eternal um, traits. We've also talked some about God's goodness, uh, his loving kindness, his, his compassion, his justice. Uh, but today we want to focus specifically on that word good, uh, two other phrases came to mind right away when I think about God's goodness. The first is kind of a churchy saying. Uh, you may have heard it. We'll see if you've heard it. If I say God is good, you might answer all the time. Thank you, the one person who knew that. Um, and then I might say all the time. I bet you can figure this out. And you would say, very good. I feel like we should try that one more time. This is something you should know. God is good. And all the time. Very good. Very good. So that's a saying about God and about God's goodness. Another question that came to mind is one that Eric touched on in his prayer after the song, which is the question, if God is good, why do bad things happen? I call that one of the big questions. There are two or three kind of big existential questions, and that is one of them. Um, it's the theodicy question. Why is there evil in the world if God is good? Uh, I am not going to be able to sort that out for you in the next 15 to 20 minutes this morning. It's one of the big questions that have plagued philosophers and theologians for centuries. Um, but I think there is something that can be said in that direction. Um, I think ultimately the answer to that question is something that happens between an individual and God. If you have experienced great suffering or loss or evil. There is not a, a logical answer that is going to satisfy what you want to know. Um, but I do think God can meet us when we've experienced or when we wrestle with that question and bring some measure of peace. Having said that, I do think the scriptures we're going to look at this morning say something in that direction, and it's this. It's not an answer to that question, why do why does evil exist? Why do bad things happen if God is good? But it's this statement, that God often shows his goodness in the midst of the bad things that happen, in the midst of evil. God shows up and shows his goodness. And we're going to see that statement and that, that truth demonstrated as we walk through a couple of scriptures this morning. And that's one that I really, uh, that, that encourages me and that I cling to even as I wrestle with the other big question. So I want to look at the three passages that are a part of our service today. The first is our call to worship, Psalm 100. And it is a song or a psalm of uh, the, the people of Israel. And it is about the goodness of God. And as I said at the beginning, it, it invites us to praise, to worship, to celebrate God's goodness and to do a couple of other things. And then the, the punchline comes at the end. Why? Why do we do these things? It's because God is good. So I've highlighted... Um, a bit of this. I've put, I've put the end at the beginning so you can see it, right? So the last verse, for the Lord is good. And two other things we've talked about in recent weeks, we've talked about God's loving kindness, that's God's compassion, that hesed, 
um, that, that shows up in so many situations. And God is faithful, God is consistent to his promises, um, to his own character. And all three of those, the psalmist says, for this reason, then, let's worship the Lord. And, and we won't have the whole sermon on this, but this, this psalm lists a whole bunch of responses to that truth, that God is good, uh, loving, kind, compassionate, faithful. Uh, we should shout joyfully. Uh, if anyone ever shouts joyfully in the service, I will celebrate that. I will not hush them. <laughs> Worship is supposed to be joyful and, and celebrative, and often children have the best handle on that. Um, thank you. Yes, more, more. Um, we're to serve the Lord. Serve. All of these are worship words, right? I've, that, that was my uh, big doctoral thesis, was what is worship? Well, it's all these things in Scripture. It's, it's like seven or eight different terms. Well, these are all worship words. Uh, shouting or, or singing or declaring God's worth, that's one. Serving God is a, is a worship word. That's why we call it a worship service. Um, coming before God, into God's presence, being in communion with God. You know, I said at the beginning of the service, God is here. That, that is also a truth about God. He, he joins us uh, through the Holy Spirit as we worship and know, know God, know about God. Um, part of coming into God's presence is knowing who he is. And that's been our focus all these weeks as we talk about what is God like. It's that we might grow in understanding about God. Um, and then here's, here's the piece that want, is going to connect us to the other scriptures. In order to help us understand what it means that God is good, this psalm introduces this metaphor. Right? We are his people. We understand that's not a metaphor. Uh, we belong to God. And we are the sheep of his pasture. There's the image, right, to help us understand. If we are the sheep, what does that make God? Anyone? And what's the name of our church? All right? We, somebody smart figured that out a long time ago. Um, we are a church gathered um, by the good shepherd. We so love that metaphor. Pastor Bill and the folks at Presbytery, we named the church that. We, understand, we should understand as much as anyone that our God is a good shepherd. And uh, we, as God's people, we are the sheep. And so uh, you may remember the 23rd Psalm, the shepherd's psalm. It describes uh, some of the ways that we encounter God as not just a shepherd, not just a tough shepherd, uh, but a good shepherd. So, right, God uh, provides for us. He, he lays us down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. Uh, the, a good shepherd provides for the flock, gives them what they need to survive and to thrive. This is the metaphor that scripture gives us to describe the goodness of God, that God provides for us and leads us. God also protects us. A good shepherd protects against um, animals uh, of prey that would kill the sheep. Uh, sheep get lost. Uh, the good shepherd brings them home. The 23rd Psalm kind of then moves out of the metaphor into deeper spiritual things, but still talking about the good shepherd saying, he also restores my soul, right? He, he guides me not in the paths to the good pasture, but in paths of righteousness. What is right? What is good? This is what it means that God is good. He, he heals and restores us and makes us whole and leads us in the way we should go. And then here's the, the first place I see a, a partial answer to that hard question. So what about when things are dark? What about when things are threatening? What about when there is a shadow over our life or over the world, even the shadow of death? 
this psalm, and this is one reason it's so comforting to so many people, it says, that will happen, but you are not alone. The good shepherd walks with you, walks with me in the valley of the shadow of death. I will not fear evil. It doesn't deny that there's evil, but I will not fear it because the good shepherd is with me. Right? And God's rod and staff, those are the protective and guiding tools of a shepherd. They comfort me. So this is, this is part of the de- declaration of what it means that God is good, is, is that God is um, with us. I, I, I coined the word withness, the withness of God. He's with us. He promises never to leave us or forsake us, even when evil is before us, or suffering, or trial, or death itself, God promises as a good God to be with us, and God provides in the midst of that. So note, I mean, what would the alternative be? Why is there evil if there's a good God? Well, it would be kind of a Star Trek-y, um, oh, evil has shown up, I'm going to beam you out of that. Right? Or I'm going to surround you with a force field that nothing bad can penetrate. That's not, that's not the way God set up things. But he does say, I will walk with you. I will be with you. I will be present with you. I will even defend you. Um, but there's, there's just no model for um, a, a perfect world with no, no suffering or evil until God sets things right. Well, so here's the interesting jump. That's the Old Testament. Right? God is good, and the, the chief image to understand that is as a shepherd. And uh, to a nomadic uh, people, that would have been a great image, because they absolutely knew what it took to be a shepherd and be a good shepherd. You move into the New Testament, and we're going to look at John 10. Jesus makes the same claim about himself, and he says, I am the good shepherd. And this is the same chapter where he outright declares, and if you ever wondered where does Jesus say this, it's in John chapter 10, um, verse 30. He says, God the Father and I are one. He's claiming divinity. I and the Father am one. And he expands that by taking on to himself the chief um, image, metaphor for who God is. In the Old Testament, God is the good shepherd. He says, the Father and I are one. I am the good shepherd as well. So these are the two things that Jesus has to say about himself that would also be true um, of God, but specifically what Jesus is here to do on earth. Uh, he, He talks about sacrifice. A good shepherd, unlike a hired hand who might run at the sign of a wolf or coyote or a lion, a good shepherd defends and protects and will even risk and lay down his own life to protect his sheep. That's a that's a very on the nose image when not too long after this, Jesus is going to sacrifice his own life for the sake of the world, for the sake of uh, humanity. He goes on in verses 14 and 15 to also talk about community. A good shepherd knows his sheep. They know his voice. I've heard it said, I don't have firsthand knowledge, that um, in those days and perhaps even now, the, the shepherds would let their flocks Mingle, or they'd bring them into you know, the same pen together, but, but a shepherd could give a whistle or call out, and his sheep would know his voice, and they would come out and follow him. Jesus is saying, I am a good shepherd. My sheep know my voice, and I know them. And if I can step again out of the metaphor that talks to me about community and relationship, that part of God's goodness and Jesus' goodness are that we can know God. We can be in 
community with God and with each other. That's again, um, Chuck referenced Mark changing the name of our, one of our committees um, from, uh, I can't remember the old one now, but now it's community life, right? Because we are so convinced that we are to be in relationship, not only with each other inside the walls of this church, but with our neighbors that we've uh, renamed and reshaped our vision for what it means to have meals and do projects and come together, that we are a church on the corner for our community, for our neighborhood, that all comes out of one of the characteristics of God. God is a community-forming God, and that's part of the goodness. And our image for that is a flock, and God is the shepherd. Then I want to I end in Romans 12. So Psalm 100 has said, the Lord is good. In John 10, Jesus said, he is good, and like the Father, he is a good shepherd. And most weeks, we've talked about, well, if these character traits are true of God, what does that mean for us? as people who follow God or, or trust in Jesus, well, the same is true today. We are um, to carry something of the goodness of God. Um, yeah, that's right. So I want to I highlight just two verses. Uh, that It's the two that Eric read for us today. The first verse speaks of worship again. Remember, that was the theme back in the psalm. Because God is good, we are called to worship God to celebrate that. Specifically in Romans, though, it says we are to present ourselves as a living offering. Right? Not, not talking about the change in my pocket, but my very life, the response to God being the good shepherd, the one who provides and sacrifices and saves and protects, uh, is to offer myself a living sacrifice back. Not to give up my life, but to serve and to follow where he leads. Um, so some of the words used in here are present yourself, right? Um, your spiritual service, serving God, worship. We talked a few weeks ago about what does it mean to love God, to serve God? It is with our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength. That's a picture of what uh, a living sacrifice is, is responding to God in that way. So that's worship. Um, and then verse 2 talks about a holy change. How do we how do we tap into the goodness of God? This verse uh, reminds us not to be conformed to this world, to the thinking of the world around us and its values, the range of things that that might include, materialism, consumerism, all that, but instead be transformed, that's a holy change, by renewing our mind. Uh, we do that through God's word and God's spirit coming into the presence of God, doing what you're doing this morning. Worshiping God, hearing uh, the scriptures explained and taught, and um, responding to them in faith. That's the thing I pray for every Sunday before the sermon, is that not only would I speak truly, but that we would all hear and respond in faith. And then that verse ends by saying, um, be transformed so that you may prove what the will of God is. It's kind of a weird turn of the phrase. Does God need proving? No, it's more the... the um, the idea of, I think, I think it's in like working with metal or you, you talk about a proof of something. It's a display. It's like not making the case, but it's, it's a display of um, God's will. So when we are transformed by God's will and presence, when we serve and follow after God, we are going to be living displays of what God's good will is, what God's good and acceptable and perfect will is. That's how we show the goodness of God. It's not, it's not by good behavior. That's 
for so long, Christianity has defined that's what being good, you know, be a good Christian, behave in these ways. This is no, goodness is not your own self-generated good acts. It is, it is obeying God and, and displaying what God's will and God's, what God is doing. You know, I often pray that. God, help us see what you're doing and be a part of that. That's tapping into the goodness of God. We're, we're taking part in God's good mission, God's good plan, God's good will. Um, so that's, I call that serving the shepherd. It's going where he leads. We like to pray that a lot as well. So I want to end by going back to the idea of uh, Psalm 100. God is great. God is good. That's a call to worship, just like the psalm uh, said. And uh, if you keep on in the, the children's prayer over a meal, it's let us thank him for our food. Um, by his hands we are fed. Give us, Lord, our daily bread. Um, but this, whoever made up that children's prayer, it, it's modeled, it seems to me, modeled on Psalm 100. It declares that God is great and God is good and then offers thanks, an act of worship. I mean, what a great, simple reminder of what the goodness of God elicits in us, right? It's thankfulness, it's participation, it's wanting to be a part of what God is doing in the world. Um, and there's great wisdom in that. And, and I think encouragement as well. So I want to pray for us. And then after that, I'm going to invite the choir to come up and we'll proceed with the service. But let's bow.